0: Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks again for joining us for a Wednesday hump day edition of the show. Hopefully you guys are all having a great week so far. You're halfway to the weekend. A lot to cover on today's podcast, talking BYU football, basketball, and multiple other sports. We're going to start off today's show talking a little bit about the running back position for BYU. Almost like it's a position preview in a way. I wanted to talk about why there might be some options on the roster currently, as well as incoming guys, that could be the answer to help BYU with their running backs and the questions surrounding around that position group. You'll also hear one of the comments from A.J. Stewart that we played last week on the podcast as, with regards to how he will proceed in pursuing other options as the offseason progresses with the signing window still open. So we'll talk about that in the first segment. Second segment of the show, I had a chance to catch up with BYU forward Yoli Childs yesterday. You'll hear from BYU star, talisman, basketball player in the second segment when we talked about playing uh, San Diego tomorrow and kind of the stretch run of the season here. So will hear from him in the second segment and then of course we'll wrap up the show with the other news and notes we haven't had a chance to touch on in today's podcast so let's get going this is locked on cougars for february 13th 2019 Thanks again for joining me. I'm Jay Katch, your resident BYU insider and host of the Locked on Cougars podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, Reminder for you guys, if you do want to listen to this podcast and make it easy for yourself, all you have to do is tell your smartphone, play podcast Locked on Cougars. You're commuting to work. You want all the BYU news and daily bite-sized pieces. Well, this is the podcast for you. And all you have to do is tell your smartphone, play podcast Locked on Cougars, and you'll have us right there for you each and every weekday. All right, let's get going. Of course, the BYU running back position has just been a source of consternation for BYU fans. A lot of guys departing via graduation or transfer. Speaking of guys like Riley Burt, Squally Canada, Braden Elbakri, uh, also uh, Johnny Tapasoa and Matt Hadley. A large number of guys leaving the program and BYU running backs uh, in terms of the recruiting class there aren't any official running backs on the current recruiting class the window is still open you can still sign a national letter of intent for the about two months from now you can still sign that and if you're a transfer player let's say a graduate transfer etc you also can sign throughout the summer on into getting ready for fall camp you just sign a financial aid agreement you're not technically a scholarship athlete you just sign a financial aid agreement and you're on the team so BYU is going to chase other talent for this position group, and we'll play a comment here from a BYU running backs coach AJ Stewart. He was he was very adamant that the team will pursue every avenue possible to find talent. I had, and this was a part of an interview we played on the podcast last Thursday after BYU signing day I wanted to play this portion of it so we'll get this out of the way and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the options that might still be on the roster so here's BYU running backs coach AJ Stewart talking about the staff and his plan to go out and find talent for the running back position group
1: Simply put, we're we're gonna recruit all the way um, up until camp, you know, and so we'll uh, exhaust every, every option in recruiting, and we're just we're trying to field the best players on our roster that we can, and so uh, we'll we'll go all the way down for this class until um, the last second possible, if need be, and um, that's kind of our, of our approach. We have really good talent in our room right now, young talent. Um, really, Katoa is probably the most proven guy right now, but. Um, the, the future is bright in our, for our, our group and you know those guys are they're willing and, and able to to get accomplished the things that we're asking them to do so um, we're not at like a an, a red alert type situation right now as, as I think some people outside looking in think um, but we're always gonna uh, leave no stone unturned in this recruiting process to make sure that we get the right guys uh, here
0: there you go AJ Stewart, and they're, they're hell-bent, and I, I probably shouldn't use hell-bent on a BYU podcast, but I'm going to use it anyways, but they're hell-bent on finding talent for this position group. They're going to go out, pursue every possible avenue, graduate transfers, regular transfers, JC prospects, even maybe a high school kid or two that may have slipped through the cracks and they find them on film. Who knows what they're going to do? But I also do believe that there are some options currently that BYU can rely on in the interim. Of course, the headliner in this position group is going to be our good friend... Lopini Katoa. Lopini Katoa of course kind of the lead back last year as a redshirt freshman, the former American Fork High School product. When he's healthy, he's dynamic. His ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, ability to run between the tackles, he's even got a little bit of a burst in terms of breakaway speed. He's just going to be a player I think that is going to rely on heavily this year. He's going to have to spend the offseason making sure he takes care of his body. He's able to hold up to the rigors of the running back position for a full season. Of course, you can't Go through an entire season and expect just one running back to carry the load. That, that'd be nice, but you just can't rely on that. I think currently on the roster, a kid like Sione Finao from Kearns High School, who redshirted this past season, if he's able to put on some weight, I really liked what Finao did for Kearns High School at the prep level. I really feel like he's got the ability to contribute. If he's able to get his body right, I think he might be a surprise breakout guy in spring ball heading into fall camp that people may have forgotten about because. because. Because he did redshirt, etc. There's also a lot of high hopes for Tyler Algier, the preferred walk on running back from Fontana, California. Played down the stretch in 2018 and showed some signs that, hey, this kid could possibly be a guy that could contribute. Was a monster athlete at Kaiser High School down there in Fontana, California. Was a great player. Put up all kinds of stats at the high school level. So the hope is that maybe he can contribute as well. I do think that spring ball is going to be critical for both Finau and Algier to show what they can do. I would expect the Lopini Katoa, in all honesty, gets a lot of light reps. Probably some work in like 7-on-7 seven seven drills etc. But you rarely see him get tackled in spring ball. you got to keep him healthy if at all costs. Um, There's been a question of Kavika Fanua. I've had a few people reach out about him. He's been beset by an ankle injury. He had a compound... break of his ankle had surgery he's been working his way back I saw him in a cast once again late in the season last year so I wonder if he had a a secondary surgery to help clean up some issues if he's able to get back on the field in any form or fashion he could contribute but at this point I think you just you can't you don't count on him so you look at the three guys currently on the roster and say, okay, well, it's going to be Lopini Katoa as the headliner. Tyler Algier, hopefully he can continue his progression, and hopefully Sione now can really show what he can do in spring ball and bring some hope to the to the squad. Of course, there are two fullback candidates on the roster as well, and we've shown BYU in the past. They have used fullbacks in short yardage situations, and those would be two guys in Darius McFarland and Kyle Griffiths. I don't think either of them are supernatural runners that would be guys you would look at it as a running back, but you never know what happens. And of course, last year was also another kid on the roster, Morgan Piper, a walk-on out of Idaho Falls, Idaho in Hillcrest High School. six 6'2", two, 205 pounds, so it sounds like he's got the measurables you want in a running back, but I have no idea what to expect from him. So I think you have three guys on the roster currently that you look at and say okay, these three guys have kind of got to show what they can do. Now, in terms of the incoming guys, Jackson McChesney Chesney coming off an LDS mission or a tr- mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's got plenty of speed, but I'm not going to count on him being in shape on a short turnaround coming off of his mission later this spring early summer and being able to contribute. Maybe he contributes down the stretch of the season in 2019, similar to what Algier did in 2018, but I wouldn't count on him right away. So that leaves us th- with two guys, well, actually three guys in the recruiting class that I think Should and could contribute to this position. We'll start off with Eric Ellison. He was signed as a defensive back out of the JC ranks, but he has told multiple reporters that he prefers playing running back. Well, with the number of defensive backs and cornerbacks that BYU has recruited in their past two recruiting classes, why not let him make the shift over to his preferred position and see what he can do at least? I think that would be a great move. It would give BYU an opportunity to get a guy some reps and see if he actually is a, a guy that could play at the collegiate level at running back. Uh, He played at the JC level. I'm talking about FBS level versus JC level. So We'll see if he's able to do anything. I would I would hope the coaches would give him the opportunity, but we'll see if they're open to that option. Also, two other guys who signed last Wednesday, I think could be options as well, are Luke Andrada. Of course, he was signed as an athlete. Um, expected maybe to play wide receiver due to his ability to break it down the field with the sub uh, 11 second 100 meter time that he has recorded multiple times. He's a track athlete, but hey, you need a change a pace back who can come out of the backfield and do things if he's able to catch the ball give him a look and then I also think the Javel Brown of course he at a La, La Mira high school no Mira, Mira Mesa high school in San Diego he was a running back a wide receiver at the high school level I think with his ability six foot one 180 pounds you bring him in and put him at running back to see what he can do first before considering moving him to a wide receiver etc so maybe it looks like uh, the running back position group has been ignored or just overlooked by the by the coaches but i can tell you with the comment there from aj stewart and also just looking at the roster I feel like, they feel like they have some options. They potentially can move some guys from other positions to try things out. They haven't been averse to trying guys who are linebackers at running back. Of course, we saw Matt Hadley break out after doing that last year. So maybe that's an option as well. But I do think that the coaching staff is sparing no expense and they're not ignoring this position group. They understand that they need to get these guys ready to go and have a solid core of running backs who can contribute in 2019. But we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm excited to see what spring ball holds here and what guys may end up lining up at running back and getting a look at the position because that's the time of year if you're going to make a position change that's when you kind of start doing it. All right. I spent a lot of time there on running backs. We will come back on the other side. We need to talk with Yoli Childs, BYU senior forward. Had a chance to speak with him at practice yesterday. Great to catch up with him. He's always a great conversationalist. Great thoughts on the BYU basketball program. You'll hear from him next, right here on Locked on Cougars.
1: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles
0: You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. If you are new to the podcast, you're just discovering it or if a friend recommended it to you, please share it with another friend or family member who's a BYU fan if you don't mind. And also, please subscribe, rate, and review, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts, on your iOS devices. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Getting those reviews helps out this podcast in more ways than I can really explain in a short time. So thanks again for your continued support. If you're a longtime listener, Or if you're a new listener, hopefully you come back for more and subscribe, rate, and review. It really would appreciate you guys doing that. All right. I had a chance to speak with Yoli Childs yesterday. We talked a lot about the defensive efforts of late for the BYU basketball program. Heading to San Diego to take on a now healthy Toreros team. If it's weird uh, to face San Diego two times in roughly the final three weeks of the season. There a lot of good thoughts from Yoli Childs. He's always a great interview. He's one of the guys that I really enjoy talking to because he's just personable. He doesn't mind uh, speaking his mind about certain topics. So it was good to catch up with him. So let's get to it. Here's Yoli Childs with myself yesterday during BYU Media Availability. You guys, almost surprised, I think, to fans um, in fans' minds, are in second place in the conference by a pretty comfortable margin, all things considered. Are you guys surprised by that at all?
2: Not at all. Uh, I think we're just really focused right now. And uh, I've been saying these last couple of weeks we've been getting better every single day. And I think we're going to peak at the right time. And that's really important over the course of the season. And uh, we're just getting better and better right now. And I'm really excited for where we're headed. With the new tournament format, getting that double bye into the semis if you do finish second, how important would that be, do you think? It's huge. It's huge. Uh, especially if you can get into that championship game, your legs are a little bit less dead, especially if you're going up against a team like Gonzaga, who's obviously going to be able to rest their players a little bit more. And uh, It's huge to be able to have that bye and uh, be fresh if you're able to get to that championship game. San Diego is your opponent this week and with the schedule how it is this is the only team you haven't faced yet in conference play you're going to face them twice here in this final month is that weird at all to you Uh, not really Um, I played St. Mary's twice early uh, we've played Portland twice. It's just, that's just how it goes. That's how it is for everybody. And it's not super weird, but we're just really excited. It's always a fun game against so. them.
0: Their team, that was they've had guys injured earlier on in the season, but they're starting to get healthy here.
2: You expect them like a different look almost from them this Thursday compared to what you've probably seen on film from them. Yeah, it's a very similar team to last year, uh, like us. Uh, just a little bit older, more mature. They're a very good team. And I'm actually really excited that we get to see them uh, at their full potential. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to play in those first two weeks. we much rather play them uh, when they got everything they have.
0: You... Being one, of the he's been pretty small on the front line this year and you've gotten a lot of attention from opposing teams how
2: have you seen teams I guess this year defend you differently than in the past or has been essentially the same um, I got doubled here and there last year but it's been almost consistent lately of every game and uh, teams throw different different ways of doubling high side, low side, from the guy that passed it so it's just a, a real learning experience for me and I'm really happy about it it's uh, it's helped me elevate my basketball IQ, helped to become a better playmaker and uh, just being able to make reads on the fly and having the coaching staff do such a good job of telling me where guys are coming from has been awesome. So it really just has been an awesome experience and uh, it's a way to get better as a player. Is it almost go hand-in-hand? Um, hand?
0: I know we saw the article on, on you in The Athletic earlier on in the year, and it was talking about how you went through that pre-draft process a year ago and got the feedback from the coaches. You got feedback from Coach Rose, et cetera. Is this stuff also like this double team, is this part of kind of your learning curve as you pursue professional
2: future? Yeah, I think it translates. I think uh, if I'm fortunate enough to play in the NBA, no one's ever going to throw double teams at me. So I think Joel Embiid, maybe be honest right now, are the only guys that are getting that. Um, But I think it translates in the aspects of being a playmaker. Uh, When you penetrate and drive and people come help, you have to make reads from the perimeter. And uh, I think the things I'm facing right now will help me for that. With this team, you guys have gone on a little bit of a run here where you guys have been defending a lot better. What's gone into that? Every day in practice, it's a mentality. Uh, we've been jawing back and forth with our practice squad guys, and it, it gets really intense. And I think there's a passion to defend in practice that was missing for a little while, and it's translated directly to the games. It's almost you have to take pride in that. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, Have you guys, I guess, on that defensive front, have you guys changed scheme-wise anything?
2: Or is you said, it just goes back to your mentality with it. Yeah, we haven't changed schemes. I think we do a great job of doing our defensive jobs, of being in the right spots. And it's a very smart team that is always in the right spots. But we've changed the mentality to... Now that you're in the right spot, make a play. Now that you're the the bottom guy of the guard in the pick and roll, once the ball's thrown in, make a play. Take the ball. Don't just be there. Take the ball, and make a play. Uh, we've got a lot more steals, a lot more transition buckets, and I think it's just that mentality to take the ball.
0: We've seen the pro game go to a, almost a three or dunk or get to the rim type of a style. Have you seen, I guess, that
2: influence filtered down to this level as much in your mind? For sure. It depends on the program, if, especially if you look at how we played last year. It was a lot like that. Mm-hmm. If you look at a St. Mary's, that's all they do is post-ups, layups, and threes. So it depends a lot on the program, but uh, the college level has definitely been impacted by the NBA level because uh, if the best players in the world are doing it, then it's probably a pretty good thing to do. All right. Thanks so much, Yoli. Appreciate your time. Thank you.
0: There you go. Yoli Childs. Thank him for taking the time as always. It's always good to catch up with him. And you heard him say our defensive effort. It's been more about mentality versus anything else. Scheme-wise, they haven't really changed anything in his, according to him. And I really, uh, if if that's true, if they've changed their mentality, they've kind of gotten back to last year where they've been defending as a team. They have that, just that pride in defending, I think that is good news for BYU down the stretch run of the season here. We talked about the fact that they are in an advantageous position in second place with a one and a half game lead in the WCC standings. I think that right now, uh, BYU, if they can defend like they have been, and it's been against opponents that haven't been as high powered as a Gonzaga, they're going to find themselves in a good spot. San Diego is healthy now. It's going to be a tougher test for them tomorrow night. They have to go to they have to go to San Diego to Jenny Craig Pavilion and take on the Toreros. It'll be the first of two matchups here in the final weeks of the season. And I, I mentioned as we talked about BYU being in second place earlier this week on the podcast. San Diego's got aspirations now that they're healthy to kind of play spoiler and jump up the the standings as this plays out down the final month or three weeks to a month of the season. They've got aspirations to really make an imprint and be maybe a top three seed just with a late run this season so it's going to be important for BYU to go and take care of business if at all possible at San Diego you win that game at San Diego and you only strengthen your hold on second place there because yeah they're going to be upset minded there in San Diego of course uh, we talked with uh both McKay Cannon and Luke Worthington yesterday, and they said that they expect San Diego to be f- properly motivated when they take on BYU after they unceremoniously dumped San Diego out of the WCC tournament a year ago and also um, had some good battles with them a year ago. These are two teams who are similar with rosters from a year ago. They had some great battles, and BYU traditionally has struggled in San Diego. They're at the Slim Gym, as people like to call it, Jenny Craig Pavilion. So, I think that BYU is going to have to be Smart about how they approach this game. They got to just make sure that they don't get overhyped and they also don't overlook the game. But you also have to understand you win this game and you strengthen your ability to get to the second seed. And that was something Yoli Childs talked about. He said, if we can get that double buy into the semifinals, essentially you're looking at two games. You have to win that semifinal matchup to make the final, which would presumably be against Gonzaga. And that keeps your legs a little fresher for a showdown against a top five ranked team. Uh, who knows at that point, maybe Gonzaga is a top three. Who knows? They've been bouncing around. They've been absolutely phenomenal this year. I don't expect BYU to be able to beat Gonzaga, but you give yourselves a fighting chance with having to only win one game in the tournament before facing them. I think that would be massive, massive, massive for the Cougars, and we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, we've still got a few weeks to go, but BYU's got to take care of business starting tomorrow night at San Diego. And we'll have it all covered for you. Do a little more in-depth preview of the Toreros tomorrow. Alright, we'll step aside here, come back, talk a little bit about some of the other awards weekly awards and also some of the uh, outlooks for some of the teams that are in action this week so we'll get to all that it's our final segment we like to call it quick hits some of the news and notes we haven't touched on in today's podcast and we'll have all that for you next right here on locked on cougars all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Close out today's show. Thank you guys once again for your support. A reminder for you if you do commute or if you just like to work out or whatever and you like to listen to podcasts, you can use your smartphone to make it real easy on yourself to listen to this each and every day. All you have to do is tell it play podcast locked on cougar, speaking of your smartphone. Makes it real simple to catch the latest and greatest in BYU news. And I would encourage you guys to check it out. It's how I listen to all my podcasts. I listen to a number of them on my commutes, and I would encourage you guys to take advantage of just that. Ability. The modern technology I say all the time is is an absolute marvel. It's a miracle, and it's something that's easy to use to listen to this podcast. I would encourage you guys to check it out. All right, running down some of the things that we needed to touch on before we get out of here today. I want to start off in men's tennis. Uh, Number 18 ranked Sean Hill. He kind of leads BYU's men's tennis team. They're off to a good start this season, 6 2 on the year. Well, he is. Oh, so he's ranked number 18 with his playing partner in doubles, uh, Jeffrey Shu. They have actually been named WCC Doubles Team of the Week, so congratulations to them on the award. They are six and one on the year, and as the number one doubles duo for BYU, uh, they'll be in action this Friday when BYU hosts both New Mexico and UC Irvine in a doubleheader Friday at the indoor practice courts. And a reminder for you guys: if you do, uh, if you've never been out to a BYU men's tennis match, they offer free pizza, so it's a, it's, a, it's a draw, and it might be something you might be interested in checking out. A couple other. Things things. things I wanted to talk about is Zach Wilson earlier this week was in Columbus, Ohio. As part of the uh, Columbus Touchdown Club, uh, sorry, the Touchdown Club of Columbus Awards. It's the 64th annual banquet. He was one of eight quarterbacks honored as part of the 2019 Players to Watch list. So, congratulations to Zach Wilson. Um, some pictures of him can be found on BYUCougars.com. He was in attendance with his family there. So, congratulations to him on that honor. I've seen a lot of national podcast podcasts. Uh, quietly hyping Zach Wilson entering the 2019 season. They're very high on his abilities. I know Dan Rubenstein um, from the Solid Verbal podcast is very high on him. I'm going to try and get Dan on this podcast to talk about it. So, uh, Best of luck to Zach Wilson. He's got to get healthy, of course, with the shoulder surgery. But cool to see him be honored with that uh, banquet out there in Columbus, Ohio. And best of luck to him in his recovery. But I think BYU fans, I think we're comfortable saying best of luck to him this coming season. Uh, Women's volleyball, of course, it feels like they just barely finished up their run in the Final Four. But they are back at it. They've started spring practices earlier this week. They're going to compete in a number of exhibition matches over the next two months as they prepare for the 2019 season seems like women's volleyball, they get to play year-round. I know a lot of people talk about, hey, BYU football needs more chances to practice. Well, if you get two months that you get to play v- exhibition matches, that'd be huge if you were a BYU football team. I know that exhibitions in volleyball and exhibitions in football are two completely separate things, but BYU will host uh, Utah uh, Saturday, February 23rd in the Smith Fieldhouse. They'll also play at Utah Valley in March and at Utah in the same month. So they've got a lot going on. i also going to face Weber State in April, but a lot of practices for the BYU women's volleyball team. They're going to return four All-Americans, including seniors Mary Lake, McKenna Miller, junior Kennedy Eschenberg, and sophomore Heather Knighting. Last year's National Freshman of the Year to this squad, so I think another final four run slash national championship chase is in order for BYU in 2019, and I think the spring season will go a long way to helping them do just that. So congratulations to the women's volleyball team once again on a successful 2018 campaign. And best of luck as they get ready for 2019. All right, one final note, and I want to thank uh, Vanquish the Foe for putting us out there. I did not catch this, but a big honor for BYU hockey. They are a club team uh, competing in the Mountain West Conference Hockey League uh, Tournament. And they actually won. It's the Mountain West Collegiate Hockey League. They competed in that Thursday through Friday last week. And they actually won the entire thing. So congratulations to the men's uh, hockey team on this win. It's it's a big honor for them. This has been a team that kind of toils in anonymity in a way. Because a lot of people don't know that they exist per se. But they do play down there at the Peaks Arena. It's kind of a fun environment. I've always enjoyed going out to those when I was a student at B. BYU, I'd go out to them, and hockey is a sport I can't watch on TV. I definitely can watch it in person, and I had a good time at the hockey matches. I went and watched BYU play, so congratulations to them on the big honor. That's awesome to see them win that, the Mountain West Collegiate Hockey League title. So congratulations once again to BYU Men's Hockey on the award and the championship there. All right, there you go. That's the podcast for today. We'll wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow previewing BYU in San Diego. Diego and hoops and of course whatever else comes up along the wire today slash tonight we'll cover it for you on tomorrow's podcast thanks again for joining me we'll catch you tomorrow this has been locked on cougars for february 13th 2019